The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Someone said that their male voice felt like a sword they were afraid to lay down. It was a kind of power that they were going to lose because once they started speaking and sounding like a woman, they wouldn't be taken seriously. Hello there, and welcome to Beauty Translated. Today, I am talking to someone oh so special to me. Growing up as a young trans girl, there were three women who I looked up to and was able to see myself in. Candy Darling, Tula Kossi, and Calpurnia Adams. Calpurnia was especially important to me. She was a tall, curvy, dark-haired woman, the kind of woman I aspired to be at that time. I watched Trans America starring Felicity Huffman with my mother at home in our living room when I was 12 years old. This was the first time I was introduced to the Southern fiddle-playing trans woman, Calpurnia Adams. I really don't remember much about the movie aside from the scene that made the most impact on me, a scene where Felicity Huffman visits the home and private party of a bunch of stealth transsexuals. Calpurnia was featured in the scene playing her fiddle. At that time, I saw so much of myself in Calpurnia, so much of what I wanted to be. I had been playing the violin since I was eight, and she inspired me to learn to play the fiddle. The movie introduced me to the voice lessons that Calpurnia Adams and Andrea James offered through their production company, Deep Stealth Productions. At the time, these voice lessons were a lifesaver for me before I had any access to HRT. Now picture me today. I have been transitioning for more than 15 years. I will be 30 years old in May. Imagine the excitement that a 12-year-old me would have knowing that one day she'd be interviewing one of her idols. Today, at almost 30, I'm still as excited as that 12-year-old would have been. You're going to love today's episode. You'll hear stories of great joy and great sadness, tragedy and triumph, and the change that comes from all of it. Now, without further ado, please welcome the musician, the actress, the trailblazer, the living legend, the stunning Calpurnia Adams. 
I'm so open-minded at this point. I did have my birds whistling Pearl Jam back there. (laughs) I have a boy named Suge, which is short for Sugar Dumpling. And I have who I thought was going to be another boy, Jelly Bean. I I asked for two boys so I would not end up with children, grandchildren. But (laughs) Jelly Bean is a girl. And um, they surprised me with a clutch of four children who are just now learning to fly. So I am covered in birds. I'm tippy hedron every day of the week, but I just love them so much. And my boy, Shug, he can say, I love you every morning. He says, I love you when I open the cage and he sings me songs and he can tell when I'm upset and he will come and cuddle with me and kiss me. So I love him. I want one of them to learn the lyrics to Stunning. Oh, I'd make a million dollars if I could get one of my birds to sing like that. If you keep up with Calpurnia on Instagram, you know she is the mother of two parrots who just had four babies of their own. They'll be chiming in throughout the interview. Just imagine we are in a beautiful, exotic rainforest during our conversation. Now that we've met the birds, let's get to know Calpurnia. I asked her to start at the beginning. Gosh, it's a crazy story when I start to tell it. Sometimes when I meet new people at one of those kind of parties where you really get to sit down and have a little bit of a conversation, I worry that they're going to think I'm making it up because <laughs> my life is so crazy. I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, to a working class family with not much money in 1971. And I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian cult that did not allow us to listen to modern music or see any movies. So no Star Wars, no E.T., no Debbie Gibson, no The Cure. All that stuff came later. But I grew up playing bluegrass gospel hoot nannies with the family, which I did love. Uh, If anything good came out of that church, it was the music. And um, I was... I was a very feminine child. I'm trans, if the listeners didn't catch that yet. And uh, so, you know, my first several years, I was forced to grow up uh, living as a little boy. But I would run around church with paper on my head saying, I'm Sister Betrayal, the flying nun. Look at me, I'm a nun. I always say, I don't know if my parents are more horrified that I was saying I was a girl or a Catholic, but... You know, I I was kind of a, a little bright and curious, too. So I managed to get into a high school for the academically gifted. And there I met kind of my people, the, my first vegetarians and, and witches, you know, girls into Wicca and those books you would buy at the mall, like how to charm your boyfriend or whatever. I went to the local library and there's this thing called a card catalog and it's this huge piece of furniture, this big wooden thing that you slide drawers out and you look up, you know, books by their titles and their numbers. And so I went to the card catalog and I looked up transsexual and found books and tried to read about it. And the information was terrible in the 70s and 80s. But, you know, you just have to push And that kind of started, I think, the first 
phase of me becoming me. But then there's like two or three other phases. It would be a long road for Calpurnia to travel before she became an entertainer and eventually became the woman she is today. As Calpurnia puts it, she has lots of phases to go through before reaching this phase in her life. We grew up performing uh, in our little family bluegrass gospel band. I was the fiddle player and I did plays in high school. I always had this bug to, you know, be on stage and performing. And I tell funny stories at church camp, which I eventually parlayed into hosting events as an adult and stuff like that. There's this whole period in between me becoming a showgirl. Because we were poor, I ended up having to join the military. I was in the first Gulf War as a combat medic in Saudi Arabia with Marines. I lived in Alaska for two years. And the last year I was in the military, Bill Clinton had been promising he was going to let gays in the military, quote unquote. Because at the time, I would have been considered gay and my secret lesbian friends would have been considered gay. And we could literally go to prison for that military prison, if not worse. Just for that. So Bill had promised to do away with that danger. But then when he got in office, he instead did don't ask, don't tell, don't pursue was the third part you never hear. So I was like, all right, forget it. I'm just getting out of the military because I could still go to prison, but they're just not going to ask. So I went back home. I was 22 or so and went straight to my first gay bar, which was this big 40,000 square foot club called The Connection. About 2,000 people would be there on a Saturday night. And it was the largest scanned and operated club in the United States. And I walked in and saw the most beautiful woman in the world I had ever seen, this gorgeous black woman on stage named Mahogany. I think she was doing a song by Climax called I Look Good and um, just looking, you know, glowing on stage, the tiniest waist in these big hips. And I was blown away. And before you know it, I had a job running the spotlight. And, you know, I discovered that there were trans women on cast, which Mahogany was, and there were drag queens on cast. And I just used my time running that spotlight for the show to study everything they did. And I, I never wanted to do the Whitney Houston, Celine Dion type songs that all the other performers were doing at the time. I was doing Lords of Acid or weird remixes I made myself on my laptop and all this kind of crazy stuff. So it, it helped me break in as a kind of performer I don't think Nashville had quite seen yet. If you search for Calpurnia Adams on YouTube, you'll find her channel and collection of videos. But you'll also find old videos of her performing on stage at The Connection. She had a taste for more alternative music and a more alternative style. You can also get a good sense of this in the movie Soldier's Girl. There are several scenes portraying Calpurnia dancing to Garbage or Sinead O'Connor, she was definitely the type of entertainer I would have gravitated towards in the club. You have to imagine the look at the time in the South especially was a more traditional pageant queen look. Long gowns, elaborate wig sculptures, dripping with costume jewelry, and probably lip syncing to a power ballad of some kind. 
Calpurnia had her own unique look and approach to the art of drag. I met my drag mother, China at The Connection on a Wednesday night, which was talent night, where anybody could sign up and do a number to just for tips. And then by applause, I think you could win $30. So I showed up and I was wearing a, a wigs, wigs come in colors that are, correspond to a number. And my wig color was zero, which is the blackest black wig you can get. And my foundation was Chroma Zero Dermal Blend, which is the whitest you can get. And my last name is Adams. I wanted kind of a Morticia, gothy look. And China was the host that night, you know, the experienced beauty who would guide us hideous monsters on stage and keep the show going. <laughs> and she just walked past me with this chalk white face and this jet black bob wig. And she was like, girl, no. And for some reason, she sat down and painted my face. And the difference was night and day. And things went up from there. And I learned how to give them what they want while still doing what I want. Within a few years, I was on the full-time cast, the weekend cast, which is the, you know, the big time. And we would do two numbers a show, two shows a night, five nights a week, plus opening and closing choreographed productions. And I would make garbage bags full of paper money every night and just drive it home in my Chevy S10 truck. And everything was going well. I did that for seven years. I was competing in national pageants and working my way up the Miss Entertainer of the Year pageant series. That each pageant series is kind of meant for a little bit of a different focus. And Entertainer of the Year at the time was more talent focused, meaning, you know, you had seven minutes to dance or sing or play an instrument. And that was the heaviest weighted part. There's Miss Continental, which is very beauty focused. And you still have to have talent, but I think the beauty aspects weigh more in the points. And, you know, I, I was decent looking, but I thought, I can play the fiddle, so I'll do the talent thing. We're going to stop here for a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Calpurnia's life is forever changed the night of the Miss Tennessee Entertainer of the Year 1999 pageant. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. In 1999, I was a well-established showgirl who was working at The Connection, which was a 40,000-square-foot gay-owned and operated bar that had up to 2,000 people come on a Saturday night. And military boys from the nearby Army base would come down. So a military boy came down named Barry Winchell. He and I started dating, and he was subsequently murdered um, because... (laughs) You're fine. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. We don't have to talk about this if you don't want. But he was murdered, and, and a movie was made about it called Soldier's Girl. But, you know, it's been a long journey, and people are unkind, but you just have to keep going. Hey, listeners, welcome back. That clip was from an earlier recording with Calpurnia, just shortly after she had learned that her boyfriend Barry's killer had been released on parole. It was a rough day for Calpurnia, understandably. So we decided to give it some time, and we record it again. We'll start back here with her second account of events. And all that was going along, and on July 4th in 1999, I was competing in Miss Tennessee Entertainer of the Year, which I won that night. But um, I had just started dating a young man, an Army boy named Barry Winchell from up at Fort Campbell, which is up in Kentucky. And while we were dating, I didn't, I didn't know the full extent of this, but his fellow soldiers had found out he was dating a trans woman and they had started bullying him, calling him uh, gay and using all the slurs and all that. And um, 
Barry actually had only ever dated women and he was not interested in men. Not that that matters in terms of what they did being wrong, but um, they ended up after a long period of bullying, much of which I never even knew about because he was quite stoic. While I was on stage winning that pageant in Nashville, they beat him to death on the 4th of July while he was asleep. And he had watched that night and he was taking care of the mascot, the dog that was the mascot of the company. And his evil roommate, Justin Fisher, who was later convicted, wouldn't let him bring the dog in the room. So Barry laid his cot outside. It was like, you know, the barracks were kind of like apartments with this outdoor stairwell. So he was asleep on a cot outside so he could be with the dog and they beat him to death in his sleep. And that just took the wind out of my sails for performing and everything just seemed so silly and trivial after that. So we did the trial and Justin Fisher and Calvin Glover got convicted and sent away. And I, I only found out recently, they're both out on parole now. So both are free men. I mean, part of me thinks if you take a life, then you should have life in prison. Without a doubt, Barry Winchell's murder would forever change many lives, Calpurnia's included. This event forced Calpurnia into the spotlight of the media, and some of the coverage was quite demoralizing, such as when Time painted Barry as a gay man in a relationship with a man who performs as a woman, which couldn't be further from the reality of the love that Calpurnia and Barry shared. Here she talks about the importance of leaving Nashville behind. What I ended up doing was two of my trans girlfriends had moved to Chicago because when you transition, at least at that time, at least in the South, it was better to kind of start over somewhere new because there's always some gay boy in the club who's like, you know, well, yeah, you look good now, but I remember when you were Butch McFrankerson or, you know, saying your birth name. But they always want to call you out or if they see a straight bouncer flirting with you, they're like tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. You know that's a man. So if you move to a new town and you start over, you don't have to deal with that. So I followed my two girlfriends to Chicago. So I'd at least have two other people who spoke English correctly, i.e. Southern. And I started over. I got a job working at the big hospital up there in the orthopedics department where all the sports stars came in. And I didn't follow sports at all. So I was never like, oh, it's so-and-so, you know, come in to get his ACL treated. They were just big, tall dummies to me. And we just laughed and had fun. It was a good place to start over. And that's kind of where I really experienced the first time, just feeling like a straight young woman in the city. You know, nobody knew my past. I still had my two trans sisters who I could commiserate with. And then I met Andrea James, who has become one of my very closest friends. Andrea James is a very important woman in trans history. In the early days of the internet, she took it upon herself to provide a guidebook to transsexuality 
for others through her website, tsroadmaps.com, known now as tgroadmaps.com. I met Andrea James, who is a towering figure to me in trans history. She started a website, which is now at transgendermap.com. And she started this back when AOL was new and you were still getting little floppy disks in the mail and paying by the hour. And her roadmap for the site was the book, Our Bodies, Ourselves, which in feminist history, it was a compendium of knowledge to help women understand their bodies and in some feminist history. And so many women, as we learned when we did the vagina monologues, um, you know, there was a time when they never even knew much about their own reproductive health and things like that. So Andrea wanted to put together a massive compendium of knowledge for trans women. It started and now she also has a ton of knowledge for trans men and non-binary folk. And the site just had everything, uh, you know, reviews of facial feminization surgery, reviews of vaginoplasty, hormone information, talking about spirituality as a trans person, because a lot of trans people at the time felt like, well, God's not going to love me anymore, but there was no nowhere to talk about that. And over the years, she just really covered all the bases on this website. When I met her, she had just the most down and dirty, funny sense of humor in the world. And I kind of have that same dark, dirty sense of humor. So we became fast friends and it was very city mouse, country mouse. You know, she taught me to appreciate the finer things like single malt scotch or how to order sushi. And she had the most beautiful speaking voice. And for trans people, especially in the South, a lot of girls would really focus on their looks and their fashion but they would not work on their voice at all. And if your desire is to blend in, and not everybody wants to, that's fine. But if your desire is to blend in, passing, quote unquote, as a cisgender woman, you just about have to work on your voice. And I was like, teach me, Andrea, teach me, how did you do this voice? And in about three months, she had me speaking in a lovely voice that, I did not get any second glances or raised eyebrows with. And I said, you know what? We should put this on VHS, <laughs> this method. So we bought a camera, recorded it. She wrote it and taught it. And I recorded it, shot it, edited it. And our production company, Deep Stealth Productions, was born. It was a really interesting time. Andrea and I came to Hollywood, and at the time, there was very little trans presence in Hollywood. And we showed up, and we started trying to make a big splash. We produced a movie called Casting Pearls. We produced a movie called Transproved. We did a reality series, which was the first out trans dating show called Trans American Love Story, co-starring Alec Mappa. And we started getting phone calls. And so 
thankfully, when they were making Transamerica, they brought Andrea and me in. And you'll see Andrea featured in the very first few seconds of the show in our video, Finding Your Female Voice, teaching Felicity Huffman's character how to feminize her voice. And I'm a lifelong back porch musician so we had to play a song that was free to use so i played some free to use song that had no copyright or whatever but it was so sweet for them to include us and felicity has remained a friend she's had us over to dinner i've gone out to lunch with felicity she has been a real ally and supporter and friend throughout all these years after And that was in 2002 that you guys started that production company, Deep Stealth Productions. And just for people who may not be aware, but the definition of what it means to be deep stealth is to be completely not perceived as trans. That can be a safety thing for a lot of people, um, very important to a lot of us. Yeah. But those videos specifically benefited me. And we'll get to this in a second, but it was in the movie Transamerica when I first saw those videos and I saw you. And that's when it really just kind of opened me up to like, oh, this is possible. I don't have access to hormones right now. I don't have access to this or that. But what I can work on is my voice. And just sitting in front of the mirror all all the time, this is the voice that I want to use. This is the voice that I want to use. Even still today, that is something that has stuck with me because it's given me so much strength and confidence. So I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. The real genius behind finding your female voice is Andrea. She has a master's degree in two different languages. She was an advertising executive. She's a really brilliant person. And she studied voice and speech pathology to put together this method. And it was so brilliant in so many ways, even just that little practice phrase It gives you something to say, but it's also implanting the psychology because so many trans women over the years, we've taught many, 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 and they are embarrassed to do the voice because there's this almost this subconscious thing in their mind. I've had students say, you know, I know this is crazy, but I'm, I feel like I'm afraid I'm going to sound gay. And I'm like, honey, you're sitting here with, you know, hair down your back in makeup and lipstick, wearing a dress with giant breasts, but you're afraid to do this voice. And and they're like, I know it's insane. It's just like this thing drilled into the back of my head. And then I've had other trans women who had to live for so long posing as like an alpha male, the environment they were in forced them to do that. And someone once said that their male voice felt like a sword they were afraid to lay down. It was a kind of power that they were going to lose because once they started speaking and sounding like a woman, they wouldn't be listened to at work. They wouldn't be taken seriously. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective too. And I got made fun of by some of my trans air quotes, friends in Nashville, when I first started trying to do the voice, they were trans girls who were doing kind of that gay voice. That it, I, and I'm not 
mocking them. I'm, I'm just saying there's this kind of trans voice that people do sometimes, girl, and it's yeah. real, you know, and it's kind yeah. of like a funny gay queen voice. But then I would try to speak in mellifluous female tones and they'd make fun of me for it. And I guess the Australians call it the tall poppy syndrome or the crabs in a bucket. People want to pull you down and hold you back. But I don't think they were bad people inside. They're just struggling with these issues in their own way. Absolutely. And I think the trans community today, we're, well, you know, I'm not going to speak for everything across the board, but I think today we're a lot more encouraging and uplifting of each other. Um, yes. You know, it just, yeah, yeah. It feels a little bit more like a community. We're going to take another break here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Welcome back. Before we move on, I want Calpurnia to tell us a little bit more about her time working to build Deep Stealth Productions. Now, the movie Soldier's Girl, which came out in 2003, you and Andrea James were consulting for that movie. Is that correct? Yes. 
And after the murder, uh, by the way, I will clarify, there's so many loops and turns to the story, it's hard to put it succinctly. But after the tragedy happened, there were big write-ups in the New York Times and Vanity Fair and Rolling Stone. So a lot of people in the, the movie and TV industry were interested in telling the story. And a lot of people reached out. But I avoided that for a whole year. I turned it all down. I, it was, I couldn't even emotionally deal with the story, much less show up on a movie set with someone playing my boyfriend. But after a year of great persistence, I ended up working with Ron Nicewaner, who wrote Philadelphia. He's an amazing writer. And Frank Pearson wanted to direct, and he was the head of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, you know, that hands out Oscars. He directed Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon way back in the 70s, which has a trans theme to it. Um, it it doesn't look good in, in today's politics and light, but I think at the time, it was really trying to tell a story. The movie Dog Day Afternoon is based on the true story of the man who tried to rob a bank to pay for his girlfriend's sex reassignment surgery. Al Pacino plays the boyfriend. The girlfriend is played by a cis man, something that would not be considered in good faith today. I, as we mentioned, you know, la language keeps changing and it does evolve. I, I get that. But it's been a little difficult to get scolded by newborns <laughs> uh, telling me, you know, what language I can and can't use to self-identify. And, and I think I got in a little bit of trouble a few years ago for saying that people should be able to self-identify with the word tranny if they want to. It it wasn't a word I ever used, particularly in, in the South, we used to say transy in Nashville. Maybe it's just a Nashville thing, but I wasn't interested in the word tranny until I was told I can't use it. And then, then I was like, you child, don't tell me what language. You know, I was slogging through the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, through this landscape. And I just don't think, I, I would ask the younger people and the more politically active people to sometimes take a little breath and understand that some people went through a different time, a different generation, a different experience than you did. And, and things might mean something else to them than they do to you or than what you've been told they mean. You may not even know. You would never have heard that word until somebody told you it was a bad word. And again, the word tranny or now you're not supposed to say transsexual, you know, don't don't use it yourself, sure, but but don't come out guns ablazing for somebody who might have had a whole different life come up in a whole different time than you, who's innocently trying to find their identity and self-identify. Um, you know, I in in a larger sense, that's what I ask for all younger activists and community members is try to have a little more compassion, try to calm down and slow down a little bit when it comes to inter-LGBT conflict, you know, especially. Uh, the, sure, the haters in Florida, the Westboro Baptists, you know, come out with all all your fire, but um, have a little more compassion for people who are on the same side as you. Very well put. Very well put. 
And I will say, you know, just to add my own thoughts on this in there, I came up as a trans girl transitioning at a time when we were right on the cusp of this shift in language from transsexual to transgender. So I grew up looking towards many of my, quote, trans elders who identified as transsexual. And at that time, it meant that you were somebody who was transitioning from male to female or female to male. So those of us that have gone back to using that word today are doing so in order to speak about our experiences specifically and to talk about what we go through as transitioning transsexual people that is different than the rest of the transgender community. Uh, my major was English literature, and I'm fascinated by etymology. And if you look at the Greek and Latin, trans just means crossing and sexual, you know, uh, is, refers to sex. And I took uh, medical and surgical steps to as closely approximate my my goal body, which was that of a, a female a woman. And if you pull out an electron microscope, I can't say what you'll see, but I have done everything I could to live authentically as a female, as a woman. So I did trans my sex in, in as much as it is possible. Evolution comes about through stresses over time. As a community grows and evolves, a history develops along with the passage of time. And our trans community is no different. It is important that younger generations of trans people learn about that history as much as possible so that it can lead to an understanding of where we have come from so that we can see where we are going. I'm so open-minded at this point. I'm almost unoffendable. I did have a little window early in my transition where I was like, um that phrase is offensive and this and that. But now I just kind of roll with it. If I can tell you're trying to disrespect me or trying to hurt my feelings, then I'm going to be like, oh, okay. So that's, you know what? And then, then I'll go from there. But I, you, you can't make me cry anymore with uh, insults and things like that. But doing Soldier's Girl, for which I refused money, and it was very difficult thing to go through making that movie, but Troy Garrity, Jane Fonda's son, plays Barry, and he did brilliantly. Lee Pace plays me, which Lee is a brilliant actor, but I was kind of wishing for a woman to play me back then. There really weren't many, if any, trans actresses, I think, who were ready for a lead role like that at the time. But they were talking to Ashley Judd to possibly play me. Uh, I don't know how that would have gone. But Lee called me on the phone early in everything. And I'd never seen him. This was his first role out of Juilliard. And I said, wow, you sound really great. You know, I was worried they were going to get some six foot four guy to play me. And Lee was like, I'm six foot four. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with being tall, but it's just the first thing that came to my mind. The movie Soldier's Girl was released in 2003, just four years after Barry's tragic murder. It was a critically acclaimed movie, receiving numerous nominations and winning two awards, most notably a Peabody Award in 2004. Although the movie portrayed Calpurnia with a cis male actor, Lee Pace, 
the movie had a huge cultural impact for trans representation at the time. Even giving the film a watch today, you can tell a lot of care went into the portrayal of Calpurnia and Barry. Although I was curious to know how she would cast the film if it ever got a remake. The movie did a lot though to open doors for activism. And, you know, I've been able to travel the world to speak at Oxford and Harvard and Johns Hopkins. I've been to Ukraine way before all the current stuff, Europe, Australia, anywhere. And the movie opened those doors and it also opened the doors for Andrea and I with our production company to make some films that talk about trans issues in a way that I felt like only we could. So it's been quite a, a journey trying to spin some good out of that awful tragedy. Yeah, and of course, it it wasn't your choice to be thrust into the spotlight in that way. And of course, you've done, um, you've made the most of your life now. Going back to talking about Soldier's Girl, I just watched Soldier's Girl for the first time, and I'd never seen it before because years and years and years ago, when I had just started transitioning, I was kind of in that early phase where I felt like, you know, it's hard for me to see a trans woman portrayed by a man, you know, a, 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 a cisgendered man. And going back and watching the movie now, I'm really glad I did because everyone in the movie did an amazing job telling the story. Lee Pace did an amazing job portraying you. But I do want to ask, of course, at the time, you would have loved to have seen a, a cis woman in that role. I know that we have come a long way now where we have a, a lot of trans actresses in big roles. If you could see a trans female actress play that role today, is there anyone that you could imagine? Gosh, there's, I, I mean, Trace Lissette is so beautiful and talented. You know, I think it'd be interesting to see that. I She's, she's almost too pretty because I, you know, back then I did have a little point I reached where I, I was a head turner, but I wasn't, I, I didn't have the resources of a lot of girls today to make myself really look how I wanted to look. So I did illegal injected silicone and things like that, which look great on stage, but they certainly have their drawbacks too. And I guess it's funny to say that you should just pick the prettiest person to play you. And, um, I think Trace would be amazing at that, but I don't ever want to be portrayed on film again as me. You know, I don't want anyone to play Calpurnia Adams again. As much as that movie opened doors, it also closed a lot of doors for me because for me as an actress, trying to get a job in a commercial as a soccer mom or something, and they're like, well, we can't have the murder bride in our soccer mom commercial or, you know, your story is just too sad um, or, you know, you're too political. So we can't have you on this episode of Married with Children or whatever. And it, it closed a lot of doors. And I'm focusing on music more now because I can be myself and get my heart out there and be creative. And it goes back to my roots as a kid. And so as it goes, when one door opens, another door closes. Maybe it's the other way around. But because those doors opened, Calpurnia became very visible to me at that time. 
She appeared in the 2005 Felicity Huffman movie Transamerica. She was one of the early adopters of YouTube. Her viral video, Bad Questions to Ask a Transsexual, was posted 15 years ago, just when I was in the early days of my transition, as was her music video and her dating show, Transamerican Love Story. You can see how inspirational she was to me at this very formative period of my life. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Welcome back. We talked about Transamerica. You were involved in that. You had a small appearance in Transamerica. I was 12 years old when I first watched that movie. And I saw black hair, which I had black hair at the time. You know, I still have black hair. I don't know what I'm talking about. But shoulder-length black hair, playing a fiddle, a trans woman. And I was just immediately like, oh my gosh, that's somebody I can identify with. So I became an instant fan of yours from that moment. And then, of course, I followed you as I saw your dating show on TV, Trans American Love Story. In 2008, you had a dating show on, that premiered on Logo. And I know you've talked about it before and you've said it silly, but it was actually very important 
for someone like me to see that type of representation, just that a trans woman could be desirable in that way. Do you care to talk a little bit about Trans American Love Story? Yeah, that show, it, it is very important for those reasons you said. I dismiss it as silly just in that it's a dating show, it's a reality show, you know, a, at first glance, a very shallow, thin material. But what was, I think, revolutionary about it was that it was the first out trans dating show that the format is is, you know, so magnetic for all over the world now, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Love Island, Milf Manor, all these things, you know, that, that Flag format. Flag wars. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think in a way it, it was the perfect format to kind of, you know, get into a, a mainstream arena it showed a trans woman being desirable, not as a dirty secret, not as an X-rated video or a prostitute who later gets killed at the end of CSI episode number 500. And it was a lot of fun to make. Behind the scenes, they said it was the hardest show they had ever cast because no man wanted to publicly date a trans woman on television. These were all men who identified as straight, one identified as bi. And uh, there was fallout in their personal lives from being on that show to varying degrees. But we all kind of, you know, went into it with a a smile and an open heart. And we had a trans man, Jim Howley, was on the show as one of my suitors. And Andrea was my BFF. And we had a great time. And the best thing to come out of that show... The host was Alec Mappa, America's Gaijin sweetheart, he calls himself. And often when you work on a TV show or a movie, it's like going away to to summer camp for a month or two. You're super close friends and you just love everybody and you work together, see everybody every day. And then when it's over, you kind of have to go your own separate ways because everybody's working on something else. But Alec and his family, his husband and later their son became lifelong best friends. And we've been friends all these years later. What has it been? 15 years or so since that show. I cook dinner on Tuesdays and Thursdays and they cook dinner every other night. And we eat together every night and have for years. That was the greatest gift for me is to make friends like Alec and Jamie and their son. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, And I want to touch on some of your viral internet hits. So, of course, after I discovered you in the movie Transamerica, I was like, I need to find out more about this Calpurnia. So I found you on YouTube where I was introduced to several of your different viral YouTube hits that you had. The first one that you released was a a song and a music video, which, by the way, I've been listening to the song a lot lately. It has been my confidence booster when I need more confidence. So you released your single Stunning. Do you want to talk a little bit about your pop song Stunning? Yes. Way back in the connection days, I used this old program called Acid Studio and I would cut up and make my own remixes and pull in little bits from movies and uh, whatever the current song was or or like I put a beat behind Janice Ian's at 17. So I <laughs> The, the angsty song about being a teenager who wasn't pretty. And um, so once we got Trans American Love Story going, 
they said, well, you need a song. And this was, I think, before Drag Race was even out. So there wasn't this paradigm that everybody on a show has to have a single to release it. They, World of Wonder was just so brilliant. They were like, you know, you got to have a song. Do you want us to write you one? Well, we can throw together some, you know, pop nothing. And I was like, oh, no, I'm a musician. I'll write something. And to me, vanity has always been hilarious because I felt so unattractive as a child. I had buck teeth and acne and my hair wasn't pretty and blah, blah, blah. So the idea that I would walk into a room and be like, I'm stunning, it almost made me laugh, but it was empowering too. So I wrote this funny rap. And I I think one of my favorite lines is I'm kicking a trick out of the room. And he's like, will I see you again? Where will you be at? I pointed to the TV and said on that. So this trick wants to hook up again, but I'm I'm just like, just watch me on TV. <laughs> it was so fun. And I did several different mixes of it. But one night I was having tequila and chocolate Pop-Tarts. And I said, I ought to just shoot a crazy video for this. So I threw up an old cape behind me and I still had makeup on from a photo shoot I had done earlier that day. And I just recorded me doing the song and you can still see it in all its glory on youtube it's something else yes it's not in 1080p but (laughs) it is still on there for you to enjoy so yeah go check out stunning stream it it's currently on my replay playlist the songs that i keep listening to over and over again i just love that line when i walk into a room all the boys come a running take a look at me because loser i'm stunning (laughs) yes you gotta tell it's it just happens they just run and want me. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Now, Calpurnia, the other big viral internet hit you had was a YouTube video, which was very important for me at the time because I was beginning to deal with a lot of backhanded compliments and transphobia as a young trans girl and all of that. You released a video called Bad Questions to Ask a Transsexual. Tell us a little bit about the reception that people had to that video. Uh, well, first, I'll say to all the finger waggers, I know the language has changed. And so now you, you're not supposed to say a transsexual. You're not even supposed to say transsexual, I guess. You're supposed to say transgender, but not transgendered. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just uh, what the euphemism um, treadmill. <clears throat> yes, yes. It just <laughs> keeps changing. But, you know, I was young, I was living full-time as female, as my authentic self, etc. But a lot of people did know I was trans. What One of the things that the Barry's murder and then Soldier's Girl took away from me was my anonymity and ability to live as stealth. So eventually I just stopped caring and you know, I, I didn't walk down the street in a shirt that said I am trans or anything. But if, if people knew they knew, if, if I needed to talk about it for activism or whatever, I would. But I, I would get all these really dumb, awful questions. Like, so do you date gay men? And I would be like, look at me and then think about what gay men are turned on by. No. Gay men... By and large, I mean, things have evolved and blurred nowadays, but gay men, by and large, were not looking for double D breasts and, you know, lipstick and long hair. 
So I finally, just one night, I wrote out all the questions that annoyed me the most. And I sat down and improvised this video where I really bitchily responded to these questions that just dripping in sarcasm and a lot of anger to pent up anger because these questions were always asked to invalidate me or, or disrespect me. If, if someone was genuinely curious, I would answer questions as long as I felt like it. You know, I have to do my self-care first. But I, I put this video up and this was in the earliest days of YouTube. So they didn't have all the suggested videos and, and things like that. Somebody from YouTube higher up wrote me an email and they were like, hey, some of the queer staff at YouTube noticed this video and we were wondering, would you mind if we featured it on the front page? And I mean, nowadays you'd have to pay $500,000 to have your video slapped on the front page or really game the algorithm or something. But I was just like, well, sure, y'all go ahead. Yeah, why not? And it's at, you know, uh, there's two versions and combined, I have around 5 million or so views on YouTube. And you just didn't get those kind of numbers back then. It, it was something else. It might be the first trans viral video, at least on YouTube. It's certainly the first that I can remember watching. And I definitely resonated with it. It's still on YouTube today, so yeah. you can still watch it. But what I find most fascinating about it is I, I went back and watched it recently, is how these things are still so relevant today, but just in different colors and variations and, and things like that. Yeah. It felt really good, I will say, to just be able to say it and get laughs for it too. That's what made it palatable. And I love the snark and the bitchiness that comes across in the video. It's what makes <laughs> it fun to watch, you know? Myself and many other trans people are reclaiming the word transsexual because we feel in recent years that the word transgender just no longer truly defines the experience that we are facing as people who are transitioning from male to female or female to male. What are your thoughts on that? How do you feel about a newer generation reclaiming that? Well, my first thought is stop destroying people for the language they use, especially if it comes out of their experience and generation. There's a thing called the euphemism treadmill. It's like you call somebody stupid and then, yes, that word is associated with bad things. So you can't say stupid anymore. So then you say you call them dumb, but then that is associated with bad things. So you can't use the word dumb anymore. You keep canceling these words, but, you know, let people self-identify. And uh, obviously slurs and this and that, you know, are not tenable. But stop canceling words. Let elders, let people self-identify. And it's a medical word, trans means crossing, yeah. sexual means sex. So it's literally, etymologically, it just means crossing sex. Exactly. Be smart, be intelligent. Simple as that. Yeah. Thank you, Calpurnia. I love that. And, you know, actually, it's, it's funny you bring these things up 
the euphemism treadmill, the word transsexual, lots of other words. I've been talking about this a lot on this season of my podcast. So we're all kind of thinking the same things, it seems like. Well, Calpurnia, you've had a past podcast with Alec Mappa that lots of people loved. And I know that you've posted on Instagram, you've talked about wanting to create a new podcast for your fans. Do you care to talk a little bit about what people can expect? Yes, I'm throwing my ingredients into my cauldron right now and stirring it around and uh, seeing what magic comes out. But I really want to tell some stories about being a showgirl in the South in the 90s, before Drag Race, before the internet. You know, there's onstage and then there's backstage, which it it was just the craziest time. But then there's all this Southern Gothic mixed into it, you know, going out in the woods and having a campfire or finding out somebody's grandmother's a witch and you go to her to, you know, try to get a, get a love potion or just, <laughs> sorry, my bird is so, there's no way to make it be quiet. But I want to, you know, talk to some of my friends from those days, maybe some family because believe it or not, all these years later, me and my mother are friends now and call and text every day. And this is like the most religious woman on the planet. So trans people hold out hope your family can come around no matter what you think. Um, There's just so many stories to tell. And I have war stories from being with the Marines in the desert. And I have stories about being on that remote Alaskan island, hiding away with my wilderness lesbians in in old abandoned World War II buildings. And I haven't been able to be on stage for the past three years, much thanks to the pandemic. But I've got to entertain and tell stories. And that's what I want to do. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear this upcoming podcast. It's going to be so, so fun to listen to. Um, Well, Calpurnia, uh, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story with us. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you and follow you? Yes. um, I got on the internet early. So luckily I got at Calpurnia almost everywhere. It's C-A-L-P-E-R-N-I-A. And it's in Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everything's just slash Calpurnia, or you can go to calpurnia.com and it will redirect you to wherever I'm most active at the time. But I I have music coming out. I'm going to be on a third season of a a TV show called Not So Straight in Silver Lake, where I play a trans matriarch. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always up to something. If nothing else, I'm posting bird videos. So come say howdy. Well, listeners, as you know, this was a huge, huge deal for me today, for 12-year-old me today especially, to be able to talk to somebody that has been an idol of mine for many, many years. And I want to thank Calpurnia again for spending the time talking to me, not once but twice, and sharing her very inspirational and amazing story with us. So thank you, Calpurnia. Not everyone has the strength to talk about these kinds of things in such a public way. So Calpurnia, your strength continues to inspire me, and I'm sure many others as well. 
please check her out online and please check out Beauty Translated online. Let me know how today's episode made you feel over on the Beauty Translated Instagram at Beauty Translated Pod. And please leave us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to us. Thank you and stay beautiful, y'all. Bye-bye. Beauty Translated is hosted by me, Carmen Laurent, and produced by Kurt Guerin and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Jennifer Bassett. Special thanks to Allie Perry and Allie Cantor for their support. Our theme song is composed by Aaron Kaufman. Beauty Translated is proud to be part of the Outspoken Network from iHeart Podcasts. For more iHeart Podcasts, listen on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reu hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.